Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Appreciate you listening on this uh, Friday afternoon, or maybe you're listening on Saturday or Sunday morning. Uh, whenever you're listening, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, joining me, as always, is 444.com Senior Editor, John Paulson. How are we doing today, John? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Anthony, how are you doing? Doing all right. Looking forward to the, the weekend. I think the NFL slate's pretty good this weekend. You know, we, I feel like we only get two or three good matchups a, a week right now on, on Sunday, but I'm I'm kind of intrigued by four or five this weekend. Should be good. Fun weekend to watch, for, watch football. Yes, sir. All right, tell us about the music, and we'll dive into some of these injury notes. Yeah, I picked a, a song by Group Love, uh, who we, my son and I and my wife saw at uh, the Honda Center last night. They opened for uh, Imagine Dragons, um, which is one of my son's favorite bands. But I went to see Group Love, and uh, they played this song, Shark Attack, and I just uh, remembered how great it is. Uh, I think group love is like the quintessential indie band right now. I mean, they've got the, the funky hair they're, they're The vocals aren't like traditionally wonderful, but they're quirky enough and good enough uh, that they resonate. Uh, they're really good songwriters. This, this track shark attack wasn't a huge hit. I think it peaked at 20 in uh, the uh, modern rock charts and, uh, but it's got like four different hooks in it. Uh, really catchy stuff, and, and all their songs are like that. So I just tweeted out a, a playlist, uh, the story of Group Love. If uh, anybody wants to check them out, they've got three albums out. This one, this track was off of uh, their twenty thirteen album, Spreading Rumors. Very cool. All right, let's dive into some of these injury issues around the NFL. We'll start off with Philip Rivers. Good news, he was upgraded to full in Thursday's practice. It means that he's he's cleared the concussion protocol. Looks like he's going to start against the Bills. Is he a QB one for Week Eleven? Yeah, there was a little bit of doubt here. Uh, with Rivers, you know, that, that con- the concussion is always dicey. Uh, you just don't know if they're going to be cleared um, by the weekend. But um, it, it, at this point, it's all but cleared. Uh, he might, he still has to go through probably the final uh, test on Saturday, but I, I would say he's trending uh, the correct way. Um, I would have, heading into last night's game, I would have started uh, Mariota and uh, Roethlisberger both over him if they had, to, if owners had to make that decision. Uh, but I think if uh, you're, you're gambling on Rivers playing, I think he's gonna he's gonna end up suiting up. Let's talk about Defonte Freeman. He he suffered a concussion against the Cowboys last week. He will not practice. Uh, well, he didn't practice Thursday. We'll see if he practices practices today. Adam Schefter reported last week that he's on Freeman's unlikely to play against the Seahawks on Sunday. Tevin Coleman, where is he right now in your rankings? Uh, obviously, he's got to be at least a, a low end RB one for Sun uh, for Monday night against this, the Seahawks, right? Yeah, uh, Coleman, I think is at, at ten. I think I actually have him at nine. If I'm moving uh, uh, Leonard Fournette down, we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, so Coleman steps into that uh, RB one job. 
the, the backup there is also, uh, who's there? Teron Ward. Teron Ward. That's right. I was just, uh, forgive me. I was up until midnight last night. <laughs> Imagine Dragons. Um, uh, he's also going to be involved, but it's, this is going to be the Tevin Coleman show, I think. And uh, the nice thing here is even though it may be not a great matchup against the Seahawks uh, rush defense, um, who held Adrian Peterson 29 yards on uh, 21 carries, Rob Kelly uh, 14 carries, 18 yards, two touchdowns uh, the week before, Lamar Miller 21 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. So it seems like they've uh, straightened out their rush defense. The, the nice thing with Coleman is that he'll see those 15 to 20 carries, but he'll also – uh, be able to contribute to four or five catches uh, in the passing game. And he's a, he's kind of a big play guy. So, uh, you know, in, in a short week, if you are sitting on Tevin Coleman, I think he's a almost a must play this week. Yeah, his, the value, the volume is going to be there both in the running and passing game. John, I agree. Let's talk about Leonard Fournette. This is a tough, this is a tough situation now for fantasy owners because he didn't practice on Friday. And according to the Florida football insiders, Fournette's ankle still isn't right. And he could be limited against the Browns. Now, some owners don't have the luxury of benching Leonard Fournette because their options yeah. aren't great. So what, what, do you, what would you suggest to those owners that are kind of in a tough spot with, with Leonard Fournette, uh, who, again, might be limited? Uh, well, the good news, if there is good news here, is that J- Jacksonville plays uh, in the early round of games, so owners won't have to be guessing on his status as they are setting their lineups on Sunday morning. Um, I thought maybe that the Friday uh, do that practice was just a rest day and he was getting back to full, but this whole thing about his ankle not being right is, is troubling. Uh, I just pulled some numbers from the last three weeks with uh, TJ Eldon being active, uh, Fournette missing week seven, week nine. Um, in week seven, Ivory had 17 carries or touches. Uh, Yeldon had 11. In week nine, Ivory had 23 uh, touches and Yeldon had 13. And then week 10 with uh, Fournette back, uh, Ivory had two touches and Yeldon had nine touches and played uh, three times as many snaps as Ivory. So uh, at the very least, Yeldon has moved into that third down uh, change of pace role. Uh, it, it appears that he has passed Ivory. Ivory has not played particularly well uh, in those games that Fournette missed. Uh, you know, Yeldon had that huge run and had the big week seven, didn't do that much in week nine, but saw two additional touches. And Ivory just didn't do much with his workload when Fournette was out. So if Fournette misses altogether, I think you might see Yeldon in a lead back role or at least a 50-50 split here in touches uh, just with, with, the, with the way that Yeldon snaps and touches have increased here uh, over the last three weeks. And, and Ivory's uh, just not running the ball all that well. Uh, if Fournette plays, uh, the Browns are a tough matchup. Uh, in terms of uh, rush defense. Uh, I think they're uh, number one in the league in yards per carry allowed. Uh, so this is a this is a tough spot for Fournette. I'd like, like to see him get full practices in before we use him, but uh, owners uh, may not have that option. I think if you're going to pick one of these two guys, Yeldon or Ivory, I think you got to go with Yeldon. Let's talk about Ty Montgomery in the Green Bay backfield situation. So Mike McCarthy said that Montgomery is unlikely to play against the Ravens in week 11. That leaves Jamal Williams as the likely starter with Aaron Jones also injured. Are we talking about an RB2 with uh, Jamal Williams? Are we talking about an RB, RB3? Where would you where would you slot in Jamal Williams right now? Um, I have him ranked as a, as a kind of a high RB2 due to the volume. Uh, this week he's had 20 carries last week 
against the Bears. Uh, this should also be a competitive game where the Packers can run his ball as much as they uh, want to, hopefully, as a Packer fan. Um, he had 21 touches. Uh, he's good in pass protection, so he should be out there on third down. Um, so I, I expect he'll get 15 to 20 uh, touches and maybe, you know, have a chance at uh, 60 to 70, maybe 60 to 80 total yards. Uh, he'll get the goal line carries, I would think. Um, so, you know, he has a chance for a pretty pretty good game uh, there for the Packers. And the one note on the Ravens is they're showing up as a, as a green matchup for running backs, and they were pretty bad against the run early on, but they got their nose tackle back. I think his name's Brandon Williams, but I might be uh, wrong on, on the guy's name. But defensive tackles, since he's been back, um, they've been a lot better against the run. So I'm not expecting a, a huge yardage game for this Packer offense, but the volume there I think drives uh, Williams as a solid start. Speaking of the Ravens, the backfield situation there is kind of interesting because you have Danny Woodhead coming off IR this week, and you also have Terrence West, who's been sidelined with a calf injury since week five. He returned to full practice on Wednesday, but Marty Morningwig said that Alex Collins will remain the team's featured back. The, the problem with Collins has been, you know, get touchdown uh, production, John, but what do you make of this RBBC situation right now in Baltimore? Well, I do think that Alex Collins is ahead of Terrence West. Um, Collins has run the ball well this year. Uh, as you mentioned, he's not getting the goal line work that's going to Buck Allen. Um, but Woodhead is Woodhead's status. I think West is for sure coming back this week because he's got the um, the calf injury and he's he's got the full practices going. Unless they decide to activate uh, Woodhead and then make uh, West inactive, is because you know, they have too many running backs. Um, so I think West is actually has a better chance to play than Woodhead. Um, Woodhead, the, the surrounding, uh, comments about him, you know, quote, unquote, not sure that he'll play, uh, Woodhead doesn't guarantee the week 11 return. Um, they, they seem really uh, wishy-washy about whether or not he's going to return. I think once he returns, he's going to, uh, take that, um, role from, from Buck Allen, uh, maybe after a game or two. Uh, as the pass catching back, he'll get some carries. Um, and then you might see uh, Collins taking those goal line carries then instead of, uh, instead of Allen. Um, right now, I mean, I think you got to take a few carries away from, from, from Collins to give to West. And then we got to wait and see what's going on with Woodhead. So this is kind of a dicey situation. Hopefully we know by Saturday uh, whether or not Woodhead and, and West are going to play. Uh, it looks like they have a, also have an early kickoff against Green Bay, so uh, we should know Sunday morning uh, at the latest. Let's, uh, let's talk about Will Fuller now. Tex, Texans coach Bill O'Brien said that he expects Fuller will miss that Week 11 matchup against the Cardinals with rib injury. Uh, Bruce Ellington would be the one person that I think you could target, but I just don't trust him. I don't, I don't trust anybody outside of DeAndre Hopkins with, with Tom Savage as the quarterback. What, what do you say? Uh, well, Ellington had a, a good game. I think he had a touchdown, four catches last week. Uh, he's a he's a PPR option in a short week, uh, but I agree. I mean, he's not. You can't be super confident in him um, with Tom Savage throwing the ball. I, I don't think the matchup is too bad. Uh, Teron Matthew uh, of the cornerbacks there, um, he's given up the most fantasy points per uh, per route. Um, so. You know, Patrick Peterson is going to be uh, following uh, DeAndre Hopkins around and uh, Savage might, uh, you know, kind of pepper Ellington with seven or eight targets, which allow him to to put up a nice uh, day in uh, 
in PPR formats. Chris Hogan is sidelined still with that shoulder injury. Didn't practice yesterday. That means if uh, he can't play more work for Danny Amendola and Philip Dorsett, while neither guy has been overly productive, kind of a nice matchup against Oakland, John. Yeah, they're going to score some points. So this is one of those situations where, I mean, I would probably lean. Um, well, I, I have Amendola ranked higher because he's got a longer history. But when you look at his snap percentage, uh, you know, he was playing 30, 40, 50% of the snaps most of the year. And then you would think in week 10 against Denver that he would see a spike in snaps with with Hogan out, but he still only saw 38, 39% of the snaps. And then you look at uh, Philip Dorsett, and uh, in week 10, he saw 70% of the snaps after playing uh, 9% of the snaps in week eight, 10% of the snaps in week seven. Um, so he's the one that saw the, the bigger jump in playing time. He only saw two targets, caught them both for 16 yards. Um, you know, so I think either one of these guys is worth a dart throw. Um, Amadola's got the knee injury, so he's not fully healthy. Um, so, you know, if you're really desperate, you know, Dorsett is playing 70% of the snaps in a good matchup with Tom Brady at the quarterback. That's not a terrible, uh, terrible dart, dart throw or punt play uh, in DFS. Let's talk about Jacksonville now. Alan Hearns did not practice on Thursday. He's dealing with an ankle injury, most likely out on Sunday when the Jaguars take on the Browns. Could mean more work for Keelan Cole or Dede Westbrook. Westbrook is expected to be activated off injured reserve. Do you like Cole or Westbrook at all? I just noticed on our rundown, I had Kalen Clay as the name. I don't know what I was thinking there. Again, midnight. Um, you almost, but, you uh, almost Ron Bergen me there, right? Where I just read it anyways. But I, I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought his name was Cole, so uh, I, I went with Cole. Yeah, uh, Keelan Cole's been uh, playing starter snaps uh, for the for the Jaguars, especially with Hearn sort of dinged up last week. He played 82% of the snaps. He caught three passes for 61 yards on eight targets. Uh, the week before, three catches for six, uh, for 47 yards on five targets. Uh, week seven against Indianapolis, he had two catches for 64 yards and three targets. So in deep leagues, he's, you know, produced 40, 50, 60 yards receiving, um, you know, eight, eight, nine points, uh, PPR formats. So um, I think he probably ends up playing more than D.D. Westbrook because they've been pretty uh, reluctant to bring Westbrook off of the uh, injured reserve. Uh, so, you know, in a not a bad matchup against Cleveland, uh uh, Cole's a decent dart throw as well. And I think Westbrook, there's been a lot of hype around him. He had a good preseason um, and then had the injury and has been out this whole time. So uh, I think it's, I think Cole's is the safer play this week. Zach Ertz is practicing this week. He was held out of that week nine matchup uh, for the Eagles with a hamstring injury, but they had their bye week last week. Uh, are you fully confident that he's going to line up on Sunday, Sunday night and play against the Cowboys? Yeah, I'm interested to see if he's questionable, if he ends up just being uh, removed from the injury report because he's practicing fully, so I would expect him to play. Um, the, it's the Sunday night game. Uh, if you want to be careful, you could pick up Trey Burton if he's not already uh, picked up uh, just as a, uh, a safety net there because if, uh, if Ertz doesn't play, then Burton's going to get that work. I was reminded, again, why I should never draft Jordan Reed in any league. I, I, I took a risk on him in one league because I didn't really like the options at the time. And, of course, I got bit here. And he suffered what is being called a setback last week. And he's a game-time decision for Week 11 in that one league. I just don't trust that he's going to play. And if he does, I don't know how effective he's going to be. But could be a shootout with that Redskins-Saints over-under total sitting about 51 right now. What are, what's your thoughts on Reed? I, I think I finally learned my lesson on Reed. I, 
I co-own a, a fantasy football players championship FFPC team, which is t, uh, tight end premium. Uh, and we took Reed in the third round uh, and we're regretting it. We had good picks everywhere else in the first few rounds, but that one has bit us. Uh, and the, the justification for it was tight end premium. And then also he was fully healthy in the preseason, but I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to go hashtag never again on Jordan Reed. I'm not drafting him anymore. I, I just don't, you just cannot stay healthy. Um, you know, I, I felt like in the preseason with a fully, fully healthy summer uh, that he had a chance to play 14, 16 games with uh and now I should have the crying, laughing face emoji uh, tweeted at me with that with that comment. Uh, so never again with Jordan Reed. Uh, Vernon Davis has been great in his absence. So if you have him, great. Um, I don't think uh, Reed's going to play. He's got they're, they're kicking off early too, so we will know Sunday morning. So this is not going to be a giant headache for Reed owners this week. Any any thoughts on the Thursday night football matchup between the Steelers and the Titans? It was a pretty good game up until the fourth quarter when Pittsburgh started to pull away. Obviously, Antonio Brown had a big game. But any thoughts on maybe Ben Roethlisberger or Marcus Mariota or how the the Titans were utilizing the running backs? Well, Roethlisberger has had kind of an up-and-down season, but his home-away splits really shined in this one. 45 attempts, 299 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, He almost connected with Martavis Bryant on a couple of big ones. That that connection continues to be a problem. Uh, Four targets for Bryant. Uh, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, eight targets, but only caught four for 47 yards. That was a disappointing day. Had him ranked as a a wide receiver too in a nice matchup against the Titans. Brown just stole the show, obviously 144 yards, three touchdowns shows why he's the, he's the goat at a uh, receiver. He, he's like the new Marvin Harrison uh, for me. I used to ride Marvin Harrison in PPR leagues uh, to titles and, and now it's Antonio Brown. And it's nice to see him have just a blow up game like this to, to win a week for, for his owners. Uh, Bell had the nine catches. So great PPR format for uh, f- performance for him, even though he didn't score the touchdown. And then on the Tennessee side of the ball, very disappointing rushing day for them. Uh, you, know, you could kind of see it coming that they were going to struggle, but you thought that uh, Murray, uh, his volume and his goal line work would at least get you RB2 numbers uh, from him. He did have the five catches, so PPR wasn't a total disaster. Uh, Henry, uh, you know, just not getting the, the work that he needs to get. He did average 4.6 yards per carry, had a couple of great runs. It's going to be fun to watch him play once he gets – he's getting that 15 to 20 – uh, carry workload. Uh, I don't know when it'll happen, but um, hopefully soon. Um, and then uh, in the receiving game, Richard Matthews, five for 113 and a touchdown. I had him ranked fairly high uh, given what is kind of a bad matchup, but I saw Joe Hayden was out. Uh, so bumped him up a little bit. Um, Corey Davis actually out targeted, uh, targeted um, Matthew seven to six, but only caught three passes for 27 yards. Delani Walker had a pretty nice game, six for 92, um, you know, 306 yards passing for Mariota, but he had the four interceptions, uh, the one touchdown, and then he did run for a touchdown. So he ended up with a pretty good fantasy day as well. All right. My favorite time of the week, sneaky starts time from John. And I'm, I'm already throwing up in my mouth because you got Blake Bortles listed as one of these sneaky starts. Why, why do you like Blake Bortles? <laughs> well, Blake Bortles is a, he has proven to be a quality fantasy quarterback. Would you agree with that? You know, what's funny. I actually kept him in our league two years ago because remember he had, he was like the garbage time King and he'd have four touchdowns mm-hmm. and three picks. So I actually kept him and and he absolutely burned me uh, a year ago. So, but yes, he is. He's, he's, he's been quality thus far for fantasy purposes. 
Yeah, I mean, he's only got one passing touchdown uh, maximum since week three. Uh, so, you know, he adds points as a runner. That's part of his appeal, if he if he has appeal. <laughs> uh, but this is a this is a matchup play. I mean, the Browns are thirty second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, they've yielded five hundred thirty seven combined yards and five combined touchdowns to Matthew Stafford and Case Keenum uh, in the last two games. So. Um, and then if you have Fournette sort of dinged up, I think maybe you pass a little bit more in this one. And, and as I mentioned earlier, that the Browns are, are good from a yards per carry standpoint against the run. So it might funnel some passing, uh, some work to the passing game. I think this is a, a pretty good spot for Bortles if, if you're desperate at quarterback. You know, I was, I was looking at some of the matchups from a betting standpoint this week, and I, I got to Kansas City, and I started to look back at the last couple of weeks and the Chiefs have been outgained in a fair amount of games this year, which really surprised me given their success. So I thought, okay, well, whoever they're playing this week, even though you don't you don't bet against the Chiefs coming off the bye because Andy Reid's so good, I'm like, okay, who are they playing? Because I'll probably fade them. And then I got to the to the matchup. I'm like, oh crap, they got the Giants, who basically gave up on their their season a couple of weeks <laughs> ago. However, now that you got Eli Manning listed as one of your sneaky starts, maybe I'll I'll, I'll swing back and take the Giants at as a double-digit home underdog this week. Well, I don't know about I don't know about uh, you know betting against the spread or anything like that, but I think Eli Manning could have a, a productive fantasy day uh, given the number of waiver wires he's available on and, and the matchup against the uh, the Chiefs. Uh, Eli, I think, is a pretty solid play. He's got Sterling Shepard now and Evan Ingram to throw to, um, so that's a, a decent pair of, of receiving options. He's got 493 yards and four touchdowns in his last two games. Um, and as you mentioned, the Chiefs have uh, struggled against the pass. Uh, they've given up six touchdowns over the last three games, passing touchdowns to Dak Prescott, Trevor Simeon, and Derek Carr. Um, and this is, could be a high-scoring game. If the, if the Chiefs come out hot after the bye and, and put up some points, then Eli's going to have to throw the ball to, to stay in the game. Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray uh, has been great for the Vikings over the last couple of weeks. You got him listed as a sneaky start. They're, they're going against the Rams this week, but the, Vi- the Vikings offensive line has played very well, and the two running backs, both McKinnon and, and Murray, have been pretty productive. Yeah, the Rams are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, so this shapes up to be a good matchup. Uh, what, what I like about Murray this week is just the, the volume that he's been getting. I mean, he's had at least 17 carries in each of the last three weeks uh he has two touchdowns in that span so he'll probably see the 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 goal line carry if there are carries if there are any um but this is mainly a volume play i'm not in love with murray's talent uh i think i think uh, jerick mckinnon's better um but they they've been force feeding murray the ball and that makes him a sneaky start this week Samaj P. Ryan might be a nice play for Washington. They're, they're against the Saints. I mentioned earlier that over-under total sitting at 51 could be a high-scoring game with Rob Kelly out. You also have P. Ryan listed as a sneaky start. Yeah, and the two games that Kelly has missed, uh, P. Ryan has averaged 16 uh, touches per game for 51 yards and a half a touchdown. So um, you're expe- sort of expecting that Kelly-type production from him. Um, and he's a little bit better, I think, at, at catching the uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. So, I mean, obviously, Chris Thompson is my favorite running back in this backfield, but P. Ryan uh, will get that. You know, they're not going to overload Thompson here with 30 touches, so P. Ryan will definitely uh, see it, you know, 12 to 14, 12 to 16 uh, touches in this one. And the Saints are better defensively. They're, this is not your your dad's um, 
Orleans Saints defense anymore. I mean, they're, uh, they're real good, especially at home. And, uh, you know, they can play keep away now uh, if they get the lead. So this is a little bit dicey. I don't have P. Ryan ranked real high. Uh, and his touches might be below that 16-touch threshold that I mentioned earlier with Kelly out. Um, but uh, he should definitely see at least 10 touches, and that, that puts him in the mix. How about Jeremy Macklin and Mike Wallace? You, you list the two Ravens wide receivers as potential sneaky starts against your Packers. Yeah, I mean, it's against this this – horrid playing secondary, <laughs> uh, the Packers. I mean, uh, I like Macklin quite a bit. I have him ranked in the low twenties. Uh, he had eight for 98 on nine targets last week or last game, uh, week nine against the Titans, five, uh, three for 51, a touchdown against the dolphins. Uh, he had eight targets in his previous game before the injury, uh, caught six for 43 against Oakland. So I think he's a nice play in a, in a really, very nice matchup. The, the Packers are, 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to to wide receivers. And then Wallace, his usage has been a little bit up and down um, the last few weeks especially, but he had seven targets against Tennessee, four for 19 and a touchdown. Um, you know, back in week four, 10 targets. Uh, week five, he had three targets, but had 133 yards receiving in that game against Oakland um, and five targets, and then one target. So uh, against Minnesota. So a little bit up and down with him. He's only averaging 4.4 targets per game, but I think as a dart throw, um, you need a, you need a guy to get in there, uh, and you know, he could catch one pass and, and score 12 or 14 fantasy points for you, depending on the format. Jamison Crowder, I feel like has been a kind of a disappointment this year based on uh, a lot of fantasy, uh, gurus. They, they really liked him coming into the year, but Again, I keep bringing up that matchup with Washington and New Orleans could could be a, a nice time to to jump on Jamison Crowder if they're trailing. Yeah, he doesn't have any touchdowns this year, which is part of the problem. But uh, if you look at his last two games, uh, he had four catches for seventy six yards and on eleven targets against Minnesota, which is a, a pretty tough um, defense. Uh, in Week Eight, he had nine catches for one hundred twenty three yards on thirteen targets, so double digit targets the last two weeks, twenty four total. Uh, they've, they've made a concerted effort once they sort of gave up on Terrell Pryor and put in Josh Dotson into that role. Uh, they started pumping the ball to, to Crowder some more. I saw him hit the waiver wire on, in a few leagues. Um, my son Max just picked him up to start him this week. So I think with a, you know, with a pretty good, I mean, it's, it's not a great matchup against the Saints or six and just fantasy points allowed uh, to wide receivers, but, but Crowder has the best matchup of any of the, of any of the receivers in terms of his quarterback or cornerback that he's facing is PJ Williams in the slot. Uh, he's been, he's been the worst on the, the same side of the ball and past uh, coverage. So I think Crowder is, a, is the best play in this, uh, uh, in this receiving core this week. Regular listeners of the most accurate podcast. And I'm a, a big Falcon fan and love the fact that you have Austin Hooper listed here. He caught a touchdown pass last week. The Falcons seem to be spreading the football around a little bit better these days. And, uh, Austin Hooper has been one of the red zone targets for them in the passing game. Yeah. Six targets, each of the last three games, um, four for 47, a touchdown against the jets, three for 36, not a very good game against the Panthers, but then six for 49 and a touchdown against Dallas in week 10. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So the Seahawks are 24th in just a fantasy points, a lot of tight ends. Uh, Earl Thomas is going to be back. So they're probably not th- that good of a matchup, but, I would put them as a, like a mediocre matchup against the, the tight end. And if you're getting uh, the same sort of usage, um, six targets, uh, then I think Cooper's a, a decent play this week. Uh, the, the Seahawks could jump out to a lead in this one 
and uh, the Falcons would have to pass to, to keep to keep pace. And then one more sneaky start. How about uh, Mercedes Lewis from Jacksonville? He's been great in the running game, but you like him as a potential pass pass option on Sunday when the Jaguars take on the Browns. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a – I mean, this is not kind of a desperation option. This is a desperation option. The, the, the Browns are 31st uh, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end, so great matchup. Uh, Lewis, uh, fantasy owners remember that Lewis blew up for uh, three touchdowns against Baltimore in that London game. Um, over the last three weeks, he had uh, – against Indianapolis, two for 29 and a touchdown on three targets – uh, week seven, uh, in week nine, three for 49 on six targets. And then week 10 against the Chargers, two for 29 and five targets. So 11 targets last two weeks. I think with Alan Hearns out, um, you know, Hearns is one of the primary red zone targets for Blake Bortles. So uh, the next best option is probably Marquise Lee. But, you know, for the purposes of this blurb, uh, Mercedes Lewis also has huge size and is, you know, has four touchdowns on the air. So he has a chance at a touchdown. This week, uh, maybe an extra target or two uh, with Hearns out. I think he's a, a good desperation option as well. And then I, I like when you give out some defensive streaming options, and I see that you got a couple of teams listed here. So if you want to run through them all, uh, have at it. Uh, sure. So uh, the Saints, I mentioned them. They're, they're still available on 50% of waiver wires in uh, ESPN leagues, which is kind of amazing given their uh, production this year. I, I think, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, but he has a tendency to throw some picks. And I think the Saints probably lead in this one most of the way. And, you know, putting Cousins in a position where uh, he has to take some chances and that could lead to a pick six. Um, the Cardinals, I have fourth overall. Uh, they're uh, at uh, Houston. So they've got the Tom Savage statue in the in the backfield. So, you know, they have some chances for some, some sacks and some strip fumbles and all that with him. Uh, I think the Dolphins are a pretty good start at home uh, against the Buccaneers with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. Uh, the Buccaneers defense is actually getting healthy too. I don't have them ranked that high, but they're getting healthier and, you know, uh, against Jay Cutler uh, are always a threat um, to score uh, as a defensive play. Um, and then the Chargers, I think uh, at home, they're, they're some talent on that defense and they're facing Nathan Peterman in his first start. Uh, this is a good spot. This is a good spot for, for San Diego. Oh, San Diego. I call them San Diego again for the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim. Uh, they're they're uh, they're a pretty good start as well this week. All right, great stuff as always, John. You can follow John on Twitter at four 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 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stolzer. Best of luck in all of your leagues this weekend. On Monday, we'll break it all down. We'll recap Week Eleven. Talk about some of the pertinent fantasy questions that owners might be facing heading into Week Twelve. Until then, that's it for the Most Accurate Podcast. We'll we'll see you again on Monday. Yeah.